day and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of The Coriolis Effect. A special episode called Talking with Our Friend Nils. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew, and I can see you've given away already the, m- the majority of the content of this episode. Those of, of you that have listened to our last episode know that we kept teasing an interview with Nils <laughs> all the way through the episode, and then at the end said, oh, sorry, you didn't turn up. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Nils's fault. Well, it was Nils's fault, but he had more important business to do. I don't moment. think it was Nils's fault. I think it was Nils no. doing his day job. And, uh, well, it was Nils's fault that he didn't come... Uh, to the interview because yes. he chose it not to new- because because he had better things to do at the time yes yeah. and more important things to do of course so, yeah uh, in this episode uh, most of what we're talking about is an interview that I did with Nils on my own actually because Dave you weren't able to make it unfortunately not no so a bit later on we'll get into that uh, before then we are going to keep the other promise that we kept deferring <laughs> and that's talking about tees. Coriolis and repairing your ship. So um, be prepared, Dave. I'm going to question you that on the moment, but not until I've told our listeners that they should stay through right to the end of uh-huh. this episode, which isn't going to be massively long, but we've also got an important announcement at that point. Yeah. So it's not going to be long compared to our normal, ponderous, enormous, long, old, drag-on kind of episode. So this will yeah. end up being about, uh, I don't know, uh, 40 minutes or something, I guess. So well, pretty short that, for us. Last episode was only 51 minutes, you know. Well, it would have been the proper hour and 20 if Nils had turned up on time. It would have been, yes. <laughs> so Nils is actually doing our listeners a favour by uh, making our episodes shorter than they were. Yes. Um, well, maybe not a favour. Maybe our listeners like listening to us blather on for an hour and a half. Uh, and they seem also- to. They seem temporarily to. more efficient as well, or more more frequent, not efficient. So uh, we're recording this only a week after the last episode dropped, and I don't think we've ever done that before. Other than RPG a day, of course. Oh yes, actually, we have done it. For a we month. did it for a done month, <laughs> so we have done it before about thirty times. Now I want to argue that we didn't <laughs> record each one of those separately. I uh, know, but we Although, were pretend, we were through the magic we of audio, we pretended ah. that we did. Yes, you just let that bit of like behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, jiggery pokery out. See, nobody, nobody thought or suspected that we just recorded much of them all in one big go. <laughs> <sighs> we, they thought we, we talked did it in every two day. Big goes. And I think our listeners are intelligent enough to work out that <laughs> we are not, you know, like like Jules Holland. We're not actually there doing Jules's hootenanny on New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, we did prep those a little bit in advance we did uh, anyway we, this is in danger of turning into an hour and a half long if we carry on arguing. <laughs> uh, so instead uh, Dave uh, we'd thought about recording this piece in, in one of our sort of homework essays but actually I think it'd be more fun to have a bit of a conversation about repairing your ship yeah and it's, it's not it's not very long either so in a game that I ran, uh, one of the Spectre Corsair games a little while ago, the ship took quite a lot of damage, and I was working out in between games what that would mean for them in getting the ship back to pristine condition. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, that's a couple of technology rolls and about 400 burr. And I thought, that doesn't feel right. This ship's taken a right battering. It's had its cargo bay doors blown off. It's had uh, all sorts of other things gone wrong. It's had depressurization in another room you know a, one set of spare parts 200 burr and a few minutes with you know a bit of wd-40 and some gaffer tape isn't really gonna cut it i don't think okay so, let's just um let me let me pause you there and say i i entirely take the point about your 400 burr that sounds remarkably cheap i mean you know i couldn't get my front door well i probably could for about 400 quid get my front door replaced but um <laughs> Uh, it would cost a lot more on my car, for example. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, you know, you imagine cargo bay doors are going to be quite expensive. So your 400 burr, uh, yeah, I can see your problem there. Are those technology roles not, though, if you like, the equivalent of a repair montage? I mean, they're, yeah, they're not an indicator yeah. of how much time it takes. It's not an action or two actions to do um, to repair it. all that damage, is it? 
I don't think they specify actually how long it takes to repair a module when you get okay. around to repairing. So I mean, there was, there's two things here. One, in space combat, if you lose a module, you can repair it. The engineer can repair it and get it up and running again at the cost actually, of within within combat. Yeah, well, within one turn. Yeah, so right. a, t- okay. a turn, so a turn is, in space. That well, isn't tr- so, uh, a repair montage, is it? That is actually no. fixing stuff. Yeah, okay. But so, but and that's you know, a turn in space combat is anywhere from what five, six, seven, ten minutes, um, the way they want, you know, the way they suggest, mm-hmm. which is fine. But that means ten minutes, two hundred burr, you can then fix any any module. Doesn't matter how big it is or how badly damaged it is, that doesn't ring true for me. So, so the way I sort of think about it, that actually in combat, you would um, you. If you make that roll and you get the module working again, what you've done is you've jury rigged something. You've pasted something together. You've got it just about going. It's about to fall over, but it will work for the duration of the combat unless you take yeah. another hit on it. It gets so destroyed again. If we take the Expanse as our favourite space combat at the moment, uh, that sort of repair is there. You know, you, you've been um, your incredibly fast projectile has gotten right through the ship. Um, or through yeah. the module uh, on both sides it's gone right through it's depressurized the module or whatever your technology role then is basically slapping some basic membrane over the holes so that it can repressurize and uh, maybe rerouting the power to the backup unit yeah thing. absolutely so it's a- but it's a bit like um, the vision that came to my mind there when you were just saying that was uh, um, at the end of at the end of the Blues Brothers, where they've uh, driven across Illinois to get back and pay the debt for the uh, for um, for the convent where they grew up. Yes. And the car stops, and they jump out, get out the car. and the whole thing Slam falls apart. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of you know you get to the end of the combat, and it's managed to stay working for the end of the combat, but at the end of it, it all falls apart. So gotcha. you can't just then you know go and go and go and repair it. So I just thought about it, and I came up with some suggestions that I used in, in in my game. So I I basically said that the base cost to fully repair a destroyed module should be about 10% of the module's full price that you can find in the in the core book on page 145. And then I fairly arbitrarily said that that would take 10 hours as a, as a default as a standard to to repair. You could then modify those figures by a successful technology role based on the number of successes that you get. So if you failed, the cost of the repair would be 15% of the price. Mm-hmm. Um, you've spent 15 hours doing it rather than 10, but you need to re-roll again because you haven't managed to fix it. Yeah. One success is your so, 10%. On. Sorry, go it on. isn't yep. just that, you've, that when you do it, it'll be 15 hours in total. It's 15 hours and you've not fixed it, so you've got to roll again. For another ten hours, say. Yeah, Is that what absolutely, you mean? Gotcha. completely. Yeah. So you've been working on it all that time. Um, it should work, but it doesn't. Uh, you know, you need to get some new spare parts or something. So you can start from the beginning again, effectively. Um, one success will be your base success. So that's ten percent of the module price in ten hours, uh, and then every success beyond that will decrease that. So two successes, I said that's eight percent. And nine hours, three would be six percent and eight hours, four would be four percent and six hours, and if you were good enough to get five, um, that would be two percent of the module price and four hours to fix that module. And that cool. worked that worked well in the game and it they ended up having to spend about I can't remember exactly now, maybe ten thousand burr or something in total to repair the three or four modules that they'd had destroyed. Right, so let just run me through this uh for my simple brain to comprehend. The first time, uh, our our modules are 150,000 burr or whatever. So I'm hoping to succeed and pay 15,000. Let me make this easy. Our modules are 100,000 burr. Yeah, 150,000 is a bit expensive anyway for a module, I think. There aren't many that are that expensive. But yes, say 100. My modules are 100,000 burr. Uh, If I make one success on my roll, it's going to cost me... 10,000 to repair and take me 10 hours. That's right, right, yeah. But I fail. So now I have spent 15,000 burr. Yep. And I've spent 10 hours, uh, 12, uh, 15 hours trying to get it to work and I've failed. 
Yeah. Is that right? Yes. So to repair it now, for whatever reason last time I didn't push my roll. This time I go to chapel first. I uh, uh, get some preparatory prayer in. I come back. I make my roll again. Oh, I get a couple of successes, but I prayed. So I want to re-roll anyway. So I re-roll anyway. I give you a darkness point. I get me um, re-roll. Now I've got five successes. Yep. That reduces the price and the time spent on it on this second attempt to what? So you would already have spent that hundred, that 15,000 burr. Yeah. And you'd have wasted 15 hours. Five successes... It's two percent of the price of the module right. price. That'll cost you two thousand, and then that'll take you four four more hours. Ah, right. So actually, you know, um, it just shows the importance again to chapel to pray. But um, yeah, but but that, so those things do accumulate. So I can have a, a failure and then a great success, and it it's just simulating the fact that although I've failed, I know what's wrong. If you like, and I go away. I uh, make another roll, and it all happens pretty quick. Yeah, I can do yeah. that. Yeah, um, and it's another way of uh, of taking some of the you know some of the money off the crew if they're becoming a bit too rich. Yeah. Sometimes it can be quite difficult to get the balance exactly right, and I you know I do feel sometimes I want the players to be rewarded for some of their really good play and actually have some missions that work and get paid. You know, shockingly, yes. but still you do want to have. You don't want to remove that pressure from the back of their mind entirely because otherwise you lose a bit of that edge of things could go horribly wrong quite quickly. I remember in Traveller, we had among us um, people who liked to be accountants. And yeah, uh, in fact, Ken Height recently said uh, Traveller is a game of space accountants. I remember. <laughs> um, and... And, you know, people enjoy the numbers and actually you can generate enormous amounts of money in Traveller and, and not spend it at all. So anything where you have to spend money, I, I feel in any space game, actually, or space trading game, can be really useful. It can incentivize going out on adventures, after all. Yeah. Uh, so how often have your players had to make these roles so far? Is it just the once? Just the once, yeah. So... Previously, I hadn't used these rules before. I can't remember what I did when they had taken damage before. But yeah, so only only the one. So I only uh, this was this was the rule I put together only a couple of months ago, and um, they haven't had any damage to the ship since then. Right. So that seemed to work quite well. And how long yeah. did it actually take them to do it in their uh, in in that time? I I I think in total they they serviced the ship as well. I think they were on the planet for something like three days before they could get off and get going again with time for the engineer to sleep and that kind of stuff. Cool. Well, that yeah, that does seem like a dramatically appropriate amount of time as well. Yeah. I mean, in fact, actually, in a way, again, you feel that when we see our real ships here. Um, in dry dock or whatever, it would be taking a lot longer. Take in, eighteen in months. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but we don't want to do that in a game where we all won't be having fun. So that all no. sounds quite reasonable. No. Excellent. And um although we you didn't write this up and record it as one of our essays, you have actually written this up on your blog, am I right? It is up on rpggods.org, yep. So go ahead and have a look. Um if you if you wanna just uh, you know see what I've written. Brilliant. It's all it's all there. Cool. Cool. Good so, uh, are we moving on to the main attraction now? I think we're moving on to the main event of the day. Uh, Excellent. Our, our, your conversation <laughs> with our friend, Nils. Our podcast, where you have sent me on a mission to to record an interview with Nils. That's the way <laughs> You were there in spirit. I and was And we didn't in insult spirit. you that much while you, were, while you weren't listening. Which is uh, good, because it probably means you insulted me less. Then you would yeah, have done to I insulted my face. you less than I ever do, actually. <laughs> I went for an entire 26 minutes without insulting you <laughs> once, actually. Um, let's have a listen to that. Let's do that. Uh, well, 
This is an opportunity that uh, we postponed from our last episode. Uh, Nils wasn't able to join us in time for that recording. But Nils, you're on the line even as we speak. I am. I'm here today. I had a little, little bit of a snarfle last week, but it's fixed now. That's okay. I much prefer you sort out any distribution problems you have than waste time talking to us. It all went yeah. well, though. <laughs> it went well. Our books, we had a big book release in uh, here in Stockholm, Sweden. But oh, was books, that the uh, dinosaur got... book I saw in Swedish? Exactly. Yeah, it's the new Simon Stollenhage book. Uh, it's about dinosaurs. And mm. our release um, books got stuck up in a warehouse in northern Sweden. So I had a bit of a panic attack, but I managed to sort it out. Yeah, I've got a my, my wife has a friend whose son is he's an adult now, but he's always been, you know, one of those real dinosaur nerds. And uh, yeah. I thought I might even have to buy that even in Swedish for him. Uh, it's, so. it's, it's most likely coming in, in English as well. They're translating it right now and it's going to be shopped around. So I would bet it will be out in half a year or so. Oh, brilliant. I'll wait half a year then. It's probably near his birthday or something then. But yeah. we're not here to talk dinosaurs, Nils. We're here to talk nope. uh, everything else for again. Um, and particularly, we thought we'd do this recording now. We weren't going to do another episode until after Easter. But given the opportunity to talk to you and given that Gothcon comes up over Easter, we thought we'd have a chat with you now and put out a special edition. So that's what you're on. Um, Gothcon is something you do every year. Uh, this year's going to be a little bit different, I understand. Uh, that's correct. We've been there for the last five, six years. Uh, but Gothcon, as, as, um, as an event, has been going strong since the 70s. So it's the oldest, biggest event in, in uh, role-playing event in Sweden. Uh, and this year, we're going to have actually our own... Uh, room uh, so we're going to have our own place to be and we're going to do some um some play uh, drop-in play events and one of them is i uh, inspired by you guys that's brilliant to hear and yeah, that will a, be the grind, grind challenge excellent exactly yes um uh, yep. that's really good we promoted that on twitter and all our social feeds actually when when you first contacted dave <laughs> about it we were very excited by that um yeah so I'm I'm dying to hear how it's gone when it's gone. But I wanted to know: Are there going to be any changes to the format? Uh, a little bit. I, I think we're going to stick pretty closely to your format. We will do. Uh, we have commissioned uh, illustrated map based on your sketch oh. uh, by uh, Tobias Chanel, who has made a lot of uh, does most of the maps for us. Uh, so we're going to have a proper map, and we're thinking about maybe you can pipe in here and give us feedback. We're thinking if we should have some sort of uh, minutes uh, on the map, or we should go uh, fully on theater of mind. Um, I mean, the, the game is uh, the role playing game is basically all theater of mind. Yeah. But in this case, it might be fun to have something to look at. So we, we haven't decided uh, mm. really what we should do there. But I think the biggest change is we're uh, we're at least going to try. We're going to do a test before. Uh, we're going to try and run it with advanced um, close combat rules. Oh, yes. Well, there, there are reasons why we didn't do that, uh, one of which was we'd only just got the set the day before and so hadn't had a chance yeah. to get the cards out of the box even. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we had plans to do close combat rules if we'd had the opportunity to practice beforehand, but because we didn't, yeah. we, um, we, we didn't want to risk it on the day. I think that would be fun. That's no. great to hear. I, I think, because, I, think, uh, I mean, I, I participated in your tournament and I think it worked really well without them as well. So that's why we haven't really decided yet if we're going to do advanced or your standard game because I think the matches we played with you guys were fun and interesting and bloody and short. So it, Which um, is everything we'll, we'll that, for, <laughs> that Forbidden Lands is meant to be, surely. Exactly. <laughs> Gritty and bloody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I particularly liked your battle and your, your teammate, uh, Aziz, and the things you did to her. Um, yeah, but it, it was a really... I, I felt a little bit um, of pity for her because she was so good. She was. Match, she the, was great. And the second match, she was one-shotted by an arrow and died instantly. And yeah. that was... Well, she wasn't quite dead. She was only broken until you used her body as defense. True, true. I wasn't the best of calling, but I was a goblin. <laughs> oh, that's great. And goblins, and I keep saying to people, goblins are quite nice people, really, in this in this setting. That's true, actually. That's true. I played them against, I played them uh, the old-fashioned way, but I think they should, they were pretty, I mean, as I saw you said in, on Twitter recently, orcs and goblins are basically the good guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did. I I, uh, I was a little bit upset by that review they did on the gauntlet. No, I mean, 
everybody's entitled yeah, to their own opinion. But uh, absolutely, I did think. But that... I, I mean, I agree. I think they maybe misinterpreted a little bit a few things. Yeah. Um, but because I, I don't think that, especially the orcs are not supposed to be evil. Uh, they're supposed to be used and supposed to be like um, the humans are the the. the colonialist imperialist basically yeah exactly I've, i really like that about the orcs and i don't know whether the orcs are not a little bit misguided but you know they they it feels to me that they're the ones yeah. attempting to rebuild civilization after the blood mist yeah i mean they're one of the few that, that really have like a, a a pretty natural i mean they're disappointed in the, in their treasures uh, cousins the humans and the elves but they're not they're not bad people they're not evil they just want to make a living and live out in peace. Yeah, and and, so, yeah. and and try and make make something of 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 the world and and improve it yeah. and make it a better place. Admittedly, possibly sure. just a better place for orcs, but um, but never mind. Um, okay, so that's <laughs> that's uh, Gothcon, and you're all yeah. prepared for that. Are you going to be um, selling large quantities of um, things from the flood when you're there? Oh, uh, we. It's in the right of the release, so we're probably going to have with us a bunch of books, but we we want to make sure that the backers have the books before we start selling it, so we'll see exactly how we do it. Oh, yeah, no, and I've just seen there's a bit of delay in um, in, in, in the production copies coming out. So, but we probably have at least a few books there, Uh, so that's going to be one of the new stuff we have there. Uh, We're also going to have a new uh, Coriolis book. uh, the the big atlas book for in Swedish. Oh right. Is, uh, yeah, it's a nice book. It's uh, one hundred and I think it's one hundred forty pages. It's just uh, juicy lore and lots of more info about planets and systems and the clothing and culture in the horizon. Oh, I love that. Are we going to see that in English yeah. too? Most probably, yes. Most probably. Oh, I look forward uh, to this that. This is actually an old. It, it's been. Uh, it's something we actually unlocked in the first Coriolis Kickstarter we did in Swedish mm. uh, back in two thousand and fifteen. I think it was. And so we just delivered on that. We it was one of our first Kickstarters, and we promised way too much. Right. Yes, so I remember. We, we, we've had a bit of a backlog to get that sorted, but now we're we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and this book is going to be really good. Good. So, so and uh, and and you've still got the cookbook to do, have you? We have, uh, but I will put that on Costa's shoulders <laughs> <laughs> because uh, uh, we actually. We, we use Slack for our internal communication, mm-hmm. and I made sure that as soon as someone mentioned Costa, there's a reminder about the cookbook. <laughs> so it, hopefully, it will, it'll come very shortly, we hope. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah. tell Costa, if he, can, if he wants to use my uh, Coriolis curry recipe, he can. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't promise we'll translate that. Though, <laughs> that's uh, <okay. laughs> no, no, I think that's, that, that's kind of unique, isn't it? There's not a massive market for it. Um, it's not. It's not a massive market, and I, I would say also maybe calling it a book would be a stretch. It's more going to be like a booklet, a pamphlet, a pamphlet. Good. Yeah. Good. A pamphlet, exactly. A cooking pamphlet. And then uh, later on in the year, you'll be coming here to the UK for the UK That's Games right. Expo. Yes, and I hope to see you guys there. Yeah. No, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, Dave was very excited yeah. when you invited us. We booked our hotel. We were there last last year uh, for the first time, and it was uh, Thomas and uh, Matthias. Uh, Matthias was then Jan Ringen, but now we're the same company. Uh, this year, we're going to be uh, me, and it's going to be Matthias and uh, Martin Grip, the illustrator. Oh, brilliant. Yes, so, I met Martin when we came to Sweden last year. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to have our own, our own uh, booth, and we're going to sell games and uh, hopefully have a few dropping games and show stuff. Oh, brilliant. Talk to oh, that, people. That's good. Yeah. Uh, dropping games at the booth. Well, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work. Yeah. We're, we're looking at that right now, but something that depends upon uh, the practicalities at, at the site. But hopefully, yes. So that'll be exciting having your own booth. You, you previously shared space with Modifius, but you're going out on your own this time. Yes, that's that's right. And we still have a very good uh, cooperation with Modifius, and, and, but we, we're going to have our own stuff this year. So we can. Excellent. Oh, I'm yeah. really, really excited about it. It'll be the first yeah. time that actually, I've come to. Actually, I can recommend that uh, people drop by our booth because we're going to have, uh, just before UK Games Expo, we're going to have a big announcement uh, about upcoming projects. Oh. And we, if, if we're lucky, we're going to have uh, some stuff to show at the booth there. Uh, oh, some, some uh, prototype stuff, you mean? Yes, exactly. And I think that people might, at least some people will find that pretty interesting. 
Ah, so it's, gonna, it's, a, it's, a, it's our biggest project this year. Oh, and are you able to give us any clues? Well, um, not really. <laughs> We're going to have an announcement at the end of April. Um, I, I'm not sure I can give any clues to be honest. Okay. To be honest. Sure. But it's, uh, it's um, yeah, it's going to be it's a interesting uh, mix of a game that uses the Gear Zero engine. I can tell you that much. All right. Uh, okay. And so, will have... so when you say Sorry. that it's, it uses the Gear Zero engine, I'm just pushing my luck here. Is it tied sure. to any of the existing IPs that currently use the Gear Zero engine? It's not. No, it's a brand new. Brand uh, new. But it's something that it's a brand new one, but it's something that people. Uh, I will. I will wager a guess that most people recognize it, if not everyone. Mm-hmm. Probably everyone. You have me intrigued. Yes. Very so much uh, so. Oh, and while yeah, we're on the topic of the Air Zero engine, let me surprise you with another question that I hadn't warned you about in advance. Actually, how's the yeah. um, how's the open gaming license going? That is a good question, and uh, I know <clears throat> uh, Thomas is actually currently working on it. Uh, he is uh, deep into our this uh, top secret project, but is uh, uh, working on finishing the OGL. So we're looking at how we're going to present it. Um, and we're probably going to start by giving access to all the backers of Middlelands and then take it from there. Oh, right. yes. Then we have some actually some, pre- I, I mean, I, I spoiled this on G plus before, but we're looking at um, creating a community created uh, com- uh, content program on drive through RPG. So we're oh, yeah. working on releasing this in tandem with the OGL and uh, releasing some uh, design files and stuff. So we can really, uh, people can create their own content and make it look pretty good. Oh, that's a, I'm quite excited about for, that. for themselves. Yeah, yeah. We're, so um, it's, uh, sorry, you sorry? carry on. Yeah, so the, the short answer is the OGL is being worked on and it's it's coming soon. It's a bit late, but it's coming. And uh, so I think it's going to be uh, the full focus of uh, Thomas uh, the, the coming weeks. Excellent. Then, Don't worry. It can be a little late. It's still not as late as the Coriolis cookbook for the Swedes. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, sorry, that's a bit of an extra question. Um, uh, but what are you trying to get out of coming to uh, uh, UK Games Expo? Is I mean, obviously, we're quite a big market for you here, but does it reach sure, further? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, UK is, I mean, uh, we, UK is a good market for us, obviously, and we're, we're putting more and more effort into our international um, games, of course. Um, and uh, UK Games Expo is, uh, is growing. It's a very professional event. We had a really good impression last year. Uh, and we, it's just a place we feel we need to be. We need to make connections and meet people and, you know, spread word and meet um, competition and just um, be involved in the market and, okay. and, uh, and in, the, in the business. So we're not, we, don't, we don't really have any specified goal. We're not going there only to sell. We're not going there only to you know, socialize. It's a little bit of, of both. A little bit um, of everything. Excellent. Yeah, and and yeah. do you also do um, the Essen show in Germany? We're doing the Essen show, yes. Uh, we are looking at how we should do that. Last year, we had a, we were a part of Paradox Interactive's booth uh, as we were showcasing uh, Crusader Kings, the board game. Right, yes. And this this year, it's going to be out. So we most likely, I'm 99.8% sure we're going to be there and show the game and demo the game. How and um, how and in which booth, we're not sure yet. Quite what you're going uh, to do. But it's... Uh, I'll you... Yeah, are you guys going to Essen? Uh, well, we've never been before. We're always uh, somewhat excited by it. But now you've invited us to UK Games Expo, I think probably, at least uh, for Dave and I, our wives have a limit on the number of weekends we can spend together before <laughs> yeah, they start getting worried. I can, I can recommend otherwise Essen because it's it's so huge. I mean, it's like three or four times the size of Gen Con. It's, it's enormous. Yeah, it, and, it's uh, always been tempting I... for me. And it's everything, isn't it? It's family games and all sorts of stuff. It's everything. It's everything, and it's you basically have everything there. But it's a pretty sizable amount of RPGs, and all the big ones, at least the Europeans, when Cubicle Seven and everything are there. So it's a, it's a nice place to be, um, and of course German beer and and so on. Yes, it's, and there's all that cool. as well. So that and yeah. Kraken, the Kraken is another German um, 
thing I'd like to do. I kind of get the impression yeah. the Kraken is a way of uh, games professionals going somewhere to relax after Essen, but I don't know whether that's the case. Okay, I uh, really don't have. Uh, I don't have. I don't know about it to be honest. So uh, it's so, uh, it's I kind guess, of it's Call of Cthulhu ish, and it all takes place in a castle. It's um, oh, that quite, sounds great. Quite relaxed, I think. Yeah, but yeah. we're not here to talk about uh, the Germans. We're here to talk about the Swedes. And um, uh, the other thing that's happening right now, even as we speak, is we've got the very first Free Elegan Simbaroon Kickstarter. How's that going? That's right. It's going actually really, really well. We're super pleased with how it's going. And it's really fun because the Simbaroon community have been waiting a bit for uh, as the merger has taken up some time and resources from the Simbaroom team. Mm -hmm. But this, uh, the Mother of Darkness, as it's called, uh, is going to be a really cool book, um, which is also, I think, it's the, it's the number four in the in the big uh, Throne of Thorns campaign. But it's also a pretty good place to start if you uh, are scared of playing and reading three thick books before. I noticed you said actually... that in the, in the Kickstarter thing. Now, obviously, I, yeah. I leave all... Simbaroon purchases up to Dave because he's the GM, and um, yeah, okay. Uh, and so I, I don't want I don't want things spoiled for me. Uh, sure, but uh, it did. You did say it's a sort of it's a really good jumping on point. Is uh, I think so. Yes. It, it, I, uh, so I haven't looked into the details of it, but are you doing a package that says you know beginners kit get this and the and the rule book? Um, there is a start. There's a starter set uh, in in the uh, Kickstarter. Yes, uh, it's and it's. I mean, obviously, if you want to play the full Monty, that would be the preferred way to go. But we're looking at the playtime of quite long then. So, for if I would if I would discover this game, if I would be completely neutral, which I'm not, <laughs> I would probably I would probably begin with this and do it and go straight for the exploration, go into the forest and and discover the the big vast oldness of everything but um the other parts of course tell the grander story and the whole the full picture so mm. um it's a, it's basically i mean the, the, the default way is of course playing the first part of the thing the moment is uh in order but um it's just uh we're just indicating that you don't have to do it right you can go straight to to the cheese in this one but um it's totally optional Oh well, we shall. Uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to that coming out. Um, yeah. Have we got? So you've, you're talking about making a big announcement or uh, showing us a, a new thing at UK Games Expo. But have you got anything else yes. coming up for Kickstarters that we ought to be aware of and prepping for? Uh, we have. We have a lot of stuff coming up. We have. Uh, I don't have any really set uh, products that I get on. Um, we're working, for example, we're working a bit on uh, products for Forbidden Lands, um, a few different uh, books. Oh, so good. we're not really ready to to announce to them yet. To share that and, yet? Uh, no, yeah, there have been rumors really, about uh, extending to the north. I I recall from the that, that that's a rumor. Form. I can I can confirm that <laughs> it's uh, it's being written and it's uh, it's well on the way and it's being illustrated by Alvaro Tapia. Oh, excellent! It's going to be a really it's going to be a, a massive expansion. So it's going to be a big one, but we're also going to have a do a, a few smaller ones, oh. which expand uh, the game in different directions. Oh, that's great! I'm really looking forward to that. We're yeah, very so much we're working on that. Um, yeah, uh, we're working on, of course, the the second part of the of the Mercy of the Icons mm -hmm. uh, campaign for Coriolis, and uh, I can also promise it's going to be a bit of um, well. I can't, I can't tell you anything because it's going to be a spoiler if you even tell anything. But it's going to be lots of dramatic stuff happening. Mm. And it's going to change the universe in, in big ways. So I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to also might split the fan base oh, a little bit. Controversial, you mean? Exactly, exactly. Mm. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but it's a, it's a really, really cool... I think, uh, personally, having read the, the outline and the, the script for the, the second, the big part, I think this is where the campaign really kicks into gear and where it opens up and you, you get these really cool um, dramatic arcs and also opens up for a little bit more sandboxy play. So I think it's... Uh, personally, I think this is going to be a real gem to look forward to. Okay, and... Um... Uh, we've got a few minutes left. I just want to talk a little sure. bit about uh, the wider reach of 
uh, all of these game systems. I mean, obviously, we love them here at the Coriolis Effect. That's why we're called the Coriolis Effect. Um, <laughs> uh, at least for the time being, we might have announcements of our own shortly as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I, I mentioned earlier on that uh, you know I've got a, a podcast that's doing Vladivostok. We've got lots from Germany, yeah. uh, from all over Europe. Yes. We've got some from um, uh, Japan as well. How many publishers have you got now working with you in doing different editions of your games? It's actually um, a whole bunch. Uh, we, we uh, Thomas recently made a list because we didn't really have total uh, overview of this. But right now, it's it's uh, ex- exempting Swedish and English. It's ten different uh, languages published wow. except Swedish and English. But uh, there's also 14 uh, coming language editions coming up in, in, uh, in the brief future. So it's going to be 24 in total uh, language editions, except Swedish and, and, Swedish and English. And it's the, the fun thing, I think, is it's so many different countries. We have, for example, we have Coriolis in, in Russia, a really uh, impressive company doing it there. We have a mutant Yersir in Brazil. Uh, Brazil has a huge RPG community. Yeah. We have uh, stuff in France, uh, Italy, Germany, uh, and, and so on. And so it's it's a really it's interesting to see that the non-English RPG market seems to be thriving in a, in a really good way. And we also have stuff being produced for our games. Uh, for example, uh, the French publishers uh, published an expansion to Tales of the Loop, mm. uh, fully based on. Uh, France. Oh right, yes. Yeah. So uh, a French loop, yeah, you mean? And where? Actually, I think. Actually, when I think, I think it wasn't France. It was the, the Stone. Ah, of Stern, course, uh, in the actual Italy. loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't yeah, do that? Exactly. And of course, yeah. that, that yeah. although that's based in no, Switzerland, the loop I think does go through France. It's so big, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Brilliant. So, uh, so it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of different companies uh, working on this, and it's uh, super fun to see what they come up with and. And for example, we got to see the, the German edition of uh, uh, the Italian edition, also uh, actually uh, from Coriolis, uh, and it's it's very fun to. It's a beautiful book, but it's kind of um, strange seeing all the text that we worked on in, in these languages. In Italian, so, yes. Yeah, I think I think it's great, but it's dritto <laughs> horizzonte. And it's interesting. It has a certain. No, you go ahead. No, I didn't have okay. anything more. Well, I was just going to say, it's a little bit interesting. Um, you know, I know we've had some problems with distribution on the last couple of books that you did, but particularly there were problems yep. with distribution to Brazil. Um, yeah. So I, the, I guess... what It's an ongoing problem. It, it's, it's still a big problem. I yeah. Think. In fact, I think... Did, uh, did I read on... Oh, somewhere you, you were saying that we can't actually make promises to deliver to Brazil right now. No, we can't. It's one of the few countries where we can't promise to deliver to. It's, it's Brazil and Belarus and a few other countries. It's because they have a really, really, really harsh uh, yeah, custom uh, rules, and it's super difficult to deliver there in timeliness, and it's also very, very expensive. So, so what we recommend people to do is if they have a friend in a neighboring country, we can send it to them, and then they can... Come across the border with it, so it's or pick pick it up or something like that. No, it's it's very difficult. We're actually looking at um, for uh, Marum. I think we're looking at see if we can solve it uh, for this current Kickstarter. Uh, but it's a big problem, and it's something that's common for I think all uh, the companies in this industry. That a few countries have yeah. really, really. Uh, it's really tricky to deliver to. But it, I mean, it does mean that if you're working with partners in Brazil, uh, that that could be a way of um, they might have to wait a little bit longer, but then they can. Uh, yeah, sure, but I mean, they also. I mean, that, that's. I think it also maybe maybe that's a boon for their uh, their native industry because yes, as it's so difficult imp- to import. <laughs> that might be English games. Let, f- yeah. Fingers crossed that after Brexit, it doesn't become as difficult to import games into this country. But um, yeah, actually, I see. Uh, I'm looking at the Kickstarter right now, and I see that we actually do not promise uh, we we I, th- I think we do pro- uh, can ship to, to Brazil. Brazil okay so yeah. brazilian yeah. listeners uh, back we don't back ship to afghanistan and not to kazakhstan and russia and ukraine so ah. we'll see 
Right. right. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. So uh, I think that's all the questions that I had. Is there anything else you want to tell us and our listeners uh, before we say goodbye? Well, it's just that I hope uh, we get to see as much as possible of you guys over at uh, both you that produced, uh, you and uh, Dave, the, the podcast, and also uh, listeners if they wish to the booth at EP Games Expo. And also keep your eyes out at the end of April for some good juicy stuff. Special announcement. I'm very excited by that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we we will also, of course, announce when we have the OGL and the community creation program. So I hope to see because one thing that that I personally think is so so really cool with the community is that people create lots of stuff, and th that stuff is really really good. I mean, it's it's so good, and it's it's such a way sometimes when you see it's just a link to a drive uh, a Google Drive document, and it has like five readers. So I hope that we can help to get this material out a little bit so people can enjoy it because it's oh, i think that was one of the cool uh things with working in rpgs is seeing people's stuff. um yeah imagination coming to fruit well given that you've teased a secret i guess i ought to tease a secret back to you and that dave and i are working on something but we're not quite ready to reveal it yet but dave ran a play oh, test of it uh yesterday and it seemed to go pretty well yep. uh cool so uh so when are you gonna when are you gonna announce? I don't know when are you gonna announce the OGL because we wouldn't want to do anything <laughs> out with the OGL. Okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Good to hear. Uh, so uh, yeah, we have a we have a common goal then. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Right. Well, uh, thanks for calling in, Nils. I'm sorry it was so difficult um, uh, a few weeks ago uh, or a couple of weeks ago uh, at home. But I'm glad you got your distribution no issue sorted it's out. I'll look forward to your dinosaur yeah. book and and look forward to seeing you at UK Games Expo. I tried to persuade Dave to come to Gothcon because his wife's family live in Gothenburg, uh, but uh, yeah. she apparently doesn't want to see them at Easter. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> so maybe next year he'll come to Gothcon, but uh, otherwise I hope you have fun yeah. there. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having me at the podcast and keep on producing you. That's oh. really excellent show. All the good stuff you do. Oh, doing. we plan to. Don't worry about that. Whatever I said about changes. Yeah, I will see you guys at uh, the UK Games. Brilliant. Expo. See you then. Thanks so much, yeah. Niels. Okay. Bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. A really good interview there. Really good to hear uh, hear Niels talking. Um, real pity I couldn't make it. Uh, but, um, you know, next time, next time. But I, as long I as you can make think... it to UK Games Expo with me, that's the whole well, point. Well, I will be going to that, obviously. Um but you let a couple of things slip there, I think, if I listened and well, heard it properly, that we yeah. were going to keep secret. Well, yes, we were going to keep secret <laughs> only for uh, less than a month. Um, I know, but... but... But we ought to tell people. Yeah, as I said there, um, that's why we're the Coriolis effect uh, for the time being. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, very, well, very cryptic. Yeah. So we were thinking uh, that, you know, we've done quite a lot of Forbidden Lands content. We're putting out a whole stable of uh, actual plays in between shows. From so we we're wondering sorts, whether yeah. the Coriolis effect was still the best brand that we could have going out there, um, weren't we? We were. Um, we've done yes. a bit of thinking about it. And whilst... We, you know, we love Coriolis. It's our first love, and the the content of what we're talking about isn't going to change. Particularly, we're not dropping Coriolis or Free League games or anything. Uh, I think we just want to better reflect, uh, kind of that we are slight talking about things slightly more broadly than just uh, just Coriolis. Uh, and and to that to that effect, we are going to rebrand ourselves as the Effect Podcast. But spelt yes. the Swedish way. We do it the Swedish way. Uh, that's spelling effect with a K rather than a C. As of as of May, as as Matt, you said. Yeah. So May is actually will be our second birthday, won't it? We've it will. been doing this in May for two years. I know. And, two years. Blimey. Uh, we thought if you like the third volume of the podcast, maybe was the right time to introduce the new name. And you might actually have seen a few clues about it already, so that when we when we move servers, those of you who uh, took note of our HTTP address will have noticed that's EF, uh, 
F E double F E C A E K T L. Okay. E F F the Swedish way. E F F E K T. Yes. Thank you. Dot simplecast.com. So a lot of that's been happening already. You will see uh, as we approach um, May, you'll see other uh, other bits of our branding appear. Uh, but the Coriolis Effect title will still remain for our Coriolis Effect actual plays. So yeah, of course. in a way, one of the things we're doing is separating out the magazine show um, from the actual plays. We're not yeah. necessarily, um, they're not going to be on separate feeds still. They'll all be on the same feed for the time being at least. Yeah, so and certainly for the for the foreseeable, you're not going to see any different other than the the name of the podcast will be the Effect Podcast rather than the Coriolis Effect. But then, as Matt says, our APs will still be coming out under their own individual uh, their individual titles. Yeah, and of course, this new thing that Nils mentioned in the interview is yet another game that we'll be adding to the stable. Well, I don't know yet; we might not like it, but um, assuming uh-huh. that it's as good as all the other ones, it's yet another thing to be talking about. So, uh, of course. Uh, so I think that's the only way that we're will be changing because we're expanding as 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 more games get produced that we love to play and want to share. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. We didn't discuss this, but should we should we tell people about the Patreon as well? Uh, I think you just have, haven't you? Well, I can edit this <laughs> out if you don't want to. <laughs> um, but also, uh, I mean, we're, we're really happy to be doing this, and we're really happy. To, to be doing it for free. Yeah, um, absolutely. By by changing hosts, I've saved myself a little money on the hosting costs as well. So uh, it's not like we're suddenly going to switch into being a paid podcast, but we thought that if you do want to show your support, we'll be launching a Patreon as well uh, alongside the new branding. And there'll be tiers and some special things that supporters might like to get you'll always there'll be, yeah, they'll, get there'll be there'll, there'll be tears as in t-i-e-r-s not tears <laughs> as in t-e-a-r-s i'd just like to point out i don't out. know but when some of our backers listen to our unedited podcast they, they, they <laughs> may experience tears yeah well we we will experience tears because they'll realize how unprofessional we really are yeah so <sighs> uh um so yeah, uh, we'll we'll launch that page. It, it, it does exist now, actually, because I've I've been working on it for some time. I just haven't told anybody about it. But we'll launch that Patreon shortly, a bit nearer the time when we launch the rest of the show. Yeah, I think that's something that will probably launch in beginning of May. I suspect. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh... and we'll tell everybody about it then. Yep. Uh, but so those are the changes that I hinted at to Nils. I'm sorry, uh-huh. I let the cat out of the bag a bit early. Um, well, you know, and... cats have a habit of getting out of bags if you put them into bags. And I'd like to point out, I, as I have four cats, I have never put them in a bag. Do not put a cat in a bag. <laughs> Tip, don't put cat in bag. Because one, they won't like it. And two, they'll only get out anyway. Yeah, uh, there's no, so... point. no point. And you'll get scratched as well. But You will, in the bag. certainly by my cats. Yeah, they, they haven't taken the arrival of the dog very well. There no, are. well, would they? I mean, <laughs> well, it's a wolf you've got in your house. Uh, it's a werewolf, actually. When I uh, when I um, drive in the car with uh, my werewolf in the back, I can see in the mirror. You mean the just... new bigger car you had to buy just to fit the werewolf? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, um, I can see. There's a there's a there's an image in. I think it must be in the Howling, when one of the werewolves towards the end stands up and you just see the back of his head and two huge ears. And that's all I can see in my it's in my in my mirror. She is lovely, but she doesn't like cats very much. Uh, so oh. you're going on holiday shortly as well, aren't you? I mean, we're we're now sharing your personal t- travel habits with the the whole world, and we've got oh, I noticed today we've got a listener in Vladivostok. Wow! So we really well, is the whole world. Welcome. Uh, so. Hey. So, cool. it, wh- whoever it is listening in Vladivostok, tell us who you are. Drop um, us a yes. plane. Um, get, all, get all of your friends to listen to us as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So, there isn't a continent uh, uh, on, on the world, or well, there are two continents of the world that we haven't yet touched. I don't think I've seen any listeners so far on the continent of Africa or okay. Antarctica. Antarctica, but, um, no. We're pretty much covering everywhere else. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's by the by. Where are you we are. On holiday? So, uh, soon. Soon. And are you taking the dog with you? Yes. 
Right. So, um, so uh, who's going to do the editing of this show? You are. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh well, I can actually. Yeah, no, I've got, I can. I've, I got, can, I've got plenty of time. I'm not going on holiday yet, so. Uh... Yeah, like, it's okay. I think I could probably do it um, uh, sh- this weekend. Actually, since since we are, should we should we turn this conversation into something that we do after we turn the bikes off? Then we we might do. Yeah, there might okay. be a bit of editing here. <laughs> so, what do we normally say at the end of a program? Uh, well, we normally say. And may the icons bless your adventures. But we also say goodbye first as well. Yeah, we say goodbye first, don't we? <laughs> okay, I've had enough. Right, um, And this is go- possibly the best goodbye we've ever given. <laughs> so or the goodbye. worst. Oh, let's just do it, shall we? Goodbye, yeah. everybody. It's been a real pleasure. See you next time. See you next time. And may the icons bless your adventures. I'm not going to say it with you this time. You're not going to say what this time? I'm not going to say it with you. You have been listening to The Coriolis Effect, presented by Fiction Suit with the RPG Gods, with music by Stars on a Black Sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing. Imagery from NASA and the Hubble Space Telescope, brought to you by Wikimedia Commons. Typeface is code by Font Fabric. <laughs>